another episode of Prosper. I'm your host, Anna Maria Blivin, and today we have the privilege of talking with someone who is a veteran and a vet entrepreneur and a mental health advocate. So you don't want to miss a thing. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Entrepreneurs, start your engines. What engine did you ask? The engine that runs your business, of course. If you find you're lacking the power to accelerate past your competition, I have just the solution. Head over to ResonateEngine.com and find out how the Thought Partner Group team can build a custom engine that will help you secure your future, build your credibility, and finally see the success you deserve. and welcome to another episode of Prosper. I'm your host, Anna Maria Blevin, and in today's studio, we have Lindsay Hinger with us. Lindsay, say hi. Hello. (laughs) How are you? Lindsay has a very interesting story, and she's got an incredible business to talk about as well, but we are always wanting to know, what was it like when you left the Air Force? Well, I, like I mentioned before we started recording, I was in for two years as a logistics officer. After four years of ROTC, I was in for two years. We had force shaping over that time. So they had over-recruited and they were asking for junior officers to volunteer to either go into the Army or Navy or just to separate. So because I was away from home and... I had some things in my family happen that I wanted to be home for and couldn't be home for. I decided to leave. Um, And since it was only two years, I know I'm not supposed to say only two years, but since it was two years, I was not out of the civilian world for too long. So my transition was really not too tough. It felt like when I went from being an officer to being a civilian, when I went to find a job, my first initial job, it felt like I was a recent college graduate with just one job under my belt. That's how it felt. So it didn't, it didn't feel like a huge, huge leap for me. It's nothing like the transition that a lot of people go through. So I definitely feel for those who have been in for 10, 20 years and get so accustomed to that lifestyle and then they leave and nothing is the same. So No, that's right. Nothing is the same. And we're not prepared. They didn't tell us that we had to change our lingo. Oh, oh yeah, all the jargon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the yeah. jargon. Yeah. You're talking to a potential employer and you're saying, well, my OER or my NCOER this and my MOS this or my OS this and mm-hmm. and my um my branch this and my and they have no clue what we're talking about. <laughs> right. None. Right. Right? Or ANOC, right? Or NCO mm-hmm. um, training or and it's like, what? Well, back up. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? There was a story that was just told to me about a Marine. He spent 16 years, no, 17 years, he was medicaled out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. It took him six months to finally go to his next door neighbor, who's a career counselor by profession, have a coffee with her and explain that in six months time, he's not been able to get communicating with employers to the point 
that they would at least give him a second interview, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So she grabbed a hold of his resume and looked at that resume and could not figure out from the resume right. what it was all about. Right. So poured another cup of coffee, sat down and said, tell me what you did in the Marines. And so he did. He described it. She said, oh, you're a civil engineer. Got out a piece of paper, or actually probably her, more like her laptop, and started typing away a resume for a civil engineer and taught him a few things what not to say mm -hmm. as, as far as our lingo goes. Mm -hmm. Within two weeks, he got a job offer, and now he's employed. Six months? Right, right. Nobody prepares us. Mm -hmm. We have to change our lingo. Yeah, absolutely. We have to also, guess what? We also have to be okay with starting over again. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow, but that's something that I actually wanted to do. Believe it. I mean, it was like I said it was 2 years, but part of my reasoning for wanting to leave the Air Force was because I felt as a second lieutenant that I knew so little that I didn't like the fact that I was above the tech sergeants and the master sergeants who had been doing it for 15, 20 years. So I did want to start from the beginning. I wanted to get into the civilian world and work my way up. And I know that's kind of crazy because I had, I had this all in my hands to begin with and I let it go. And I, I did take a pay cut, you know, I took a lot of hits, but I wouldn't change it though. Because I've learned right. so much in the civilian world, too. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. That is really good. Now, you were mentioning something about the tech sergeants that they'd been in for, you know, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Just imagine them coming out, tech sergeants. Now, we know they move troops. Mm -hmm. They're project managers, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they are given missions to accomplish from concept to completion. And there, there they go. They've got to. Their lives are dependent on it, right? Right. Imagine them coming away from the Air Force. They've got their orders. They've hung up their uniform, put their boots away, and now they're out in the job market, the civilian job market, and being told that they can't mm -hmm. qualify for a project manager position because they got all of that skill set on the military side and not civilian corporate side. Right. And then having to start all over again. Yes. After 10 or 15, 16, I was 26 years. I had to start all over again. I felt like I was trying to cut in line for an ice cream cone <laughs> because I was trying to get a manager's job. I was trying to get a project manager's job. I made it all the way to E8, Lindsay. Wow. Master Sergeant, E8. Wow. You know, E9 is the top of the rung, uh -huh. top of the ladder. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I was almost at the top rung of the ladder. Almost. Mm -hmm. And still, I was I was given job offers to start all over again. Yes, absolutely. Entry level. And did you have to? Yeah, I eventually realized that after 42 interviews, I wasn't going to, they weren't going to give me my ice cream cone in the front of the line. Uh, I had to go stand at the back of the line mm. and work my way to the front of the line. You know, you make such a good point about project management. Um, I wonder if PMI, the Institute, I wonder if they have, do they have a program where you can apply your military background to 
try to get certifications through PMI, I wonder, because that would be PMI certification. Yeah, PMI. That would be really interesting. There's the Project Management Institute, PMI registry. They have classes. Right. But I wonder if they have a way to convert what you do in the military. I wonder if PMI specifically has looked into this because they're the registered or the most popular party to certify project managers. You know, that would be quite a waste to overlook that many military people. Yes, this is true. Now, part of their application review and process is to put details of projects, programs, portfolios you've worked on, including qualifying hours, dates of employment, role, organization details, reference and experience summary. You almost need a block of instruction to know <laughs> how to go ahead and do that, especially where it's including qualifying hours. So if you're leading, leading a mission up a hill, <laughs> if, you're, if you're leading a mission up a hill, mm -hmm. right, from concept to completion, is that qualifying hours? <laughs> Beats me. You raise a good point, Lindsay. This is a conversation for, for, for PMI. This is definitely yeah. a conversation. Um, this is something that people like you and me should be going to these organizations and talking about, for sure. Yeah, on behalf of our brothers yeah, and sisters. Absolutely. Advocates. Yeah. Advocates paving mm -hmm. the way. It bothers me to no end to know that we have people that are leaving the service. In fact, somebody said something on the average of 200000 a year leaving the service unprepared. Mm. And they're supposed to be prepared, right? Isn't there, isn't, is it TAP? Is that the transition assistance program? Yeah, but they're not teaching you the lingo. They're not teaching you how to change your lingo. They're not teaching you how to not disqualify yourself as an, a job applicant. Did you know that you could disqualify yourself? Disqualify yourself? Well, if you are looking at a job uh, mm -hmm. offering, especially in Indeed, and at the bottom it says, if you are interested in this position, email so-and-so, and you click the blue button that says apply now, mm -hmm. you didn't follow directions. <laughs> right. That's a simple, this, there's a lot more mm -hmm. of embedded mm -hmm. things that, the companies will put just to make sure that someone is paying attention and following directions. Because if you don't and you click that blue button that says apply now, you've disqualified yourself. Or yeah. how not to get scammed mm -hmm. or or uh, caught in phishing oh, yes. as a job candidate. Yes. I, I have had all kinds of stories from other veterans where they went through the entire process. And you know, there's a lot of personal information involved. Yes. And it turned out that the job wasn't real. Oh my gosh, how heartbreaking. Oh yeah, right. Oh, that's awful. But I could have showed any everybody how not to do that. Mm. How to make sure that it, how not to do that because it's some of the things on the internet is very obvious. Mm -hmm. And you know, you don't click there you're safe. Mm -hmm. If you click there, you're not. And it's like, why isn't anybody showing them that? Right. You know, and then there's, there's a whole host of things that if people knew in advance mm -hmm. before leaving the military, mm -hmm. they would have a smoother transition. Right. Right. 
right? Yeah, it sounds like the program needs to be improved quite a bit. Yes. So let's get to yours. You, through your journey, Mm -hmm. have Gifting with Valor, LLC. What's all that about? I do. So Gifting with Valor, I started in 2018. It's my second business, actually. It sprang forth from the first business, which was called Milso Box LLC. That was a subscription gift box for the female significant others of the military. And so they got a monthly gift box of joy delivered to their doorstep each month. So that was a lot of fun. And my best friend actually inspired it because she's an Army wife and Before I sold that one, I started Gifting with Valor, though, and they're very different because the target market is totally different. Gifting with Valor is we curate gift boxes with our clients, and all of the products we put in the gift boxes are made from military spouse or veteran-owned businesses. And when we create these gift boxes, we do it in bulk. So we do at least 25 gift boxes for each client per project or or each time we do an ongoing, you know, annual project, we order at least 25 um, so that we can make sure that we get bulk pricing and get better value for our clients. But yeah, that's that's what we do. And we've been working with companies like Johnson & Johnson who have employee resource groups, they really value their veterans and they want to show their appreciation for veterans. So they're coming to us to gift their veterans with something that they'll really appreciate. And so that's um, who we're marketing towards right now. I love the way you said boxes of joy. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Well, you know, when you get that mail that you actually want... (laughs) (laughs) yes not the bills (laughs) no that is so cool yeah and so your friend that was a military spouse of an army member Mm -hmm. gave you the inspiration yes so i let's talk about that for a minute because there may be some of our folks that are listening that may be getting an idea but they're sitting on it Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm What would you say to them? Okay, so I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2004. No, 2006, sorry. And from 2006 to 2016, my husband and I tried and failed to be entrepreneurs after reading that book. And nothing seemed to fit until Milso Box. And so I would say, if you have to convince yourself that it's going to fit, or if you're not absolutely sure, don't do it. You have to really feel like it's going to be a passion that you can be really excited about that fits with your strengths, that's something that you're going to be committed to day in and day out and not get tired of. I mean, I get bored easily. So I was (laughs) great with doing three and a half years and then selling it. I was happy about that. You know, I was ready to move on. But, you know, like I've, I've heard some people say, if you, it's kind of like being an entrepreneur in general, if you have to have somebody push you to do it, don't do it. It's got to come from within you. So if, um, yeah, so when I found 
the way that I actually started that first business, the way I came up with the idea was actually 2016 in January, I read on Forbes.com the top 10 businesses to start in 2016. And subscription boxes were one of the 10. So I just had to figure out who it was going to be for. And then I had that phone call with my friend. And that was the aha. You know, you're struggling all the time because you're in this situation and you're in love with somebody who is a hero for our country and sacrifices so much. So, so do you. And so I realized you're not alone. There are so many women like you. And uh, that's how it got started. Yes. Oh, wow. I can see how that became popular. It, you know, it didn't take off nearly as much as I wanted, of course. It, you'd be surprised that 82, I think it was 82% of my customers were ordering them for themselves instead of as gifts. <laughs> yeah. So my intention to begin with was for the men to order them for their women when they left. So on deployment. Yeah. So you could do like a six month subscription. You could do a year long subscription, three months, one month. And it would be really cool for a soldier or airman or, or sailor to uh, be about to deploy and go ahead and order a Milso box so that each month they get a reminder that I love you while you're gone. While I'm gone, I still love you. And <laughs> this is what I set up for you before I left. That was the original plan, but marketing to men in the military from what I'm trying to do is so difficult. Oh my gosh. It was so difficult. And that was a, that was most of the reason that I sold it was because I could not figure out how to market to the men very well. And so when Kristen took it over, who runs it today, she just started focusing on marketing to the women herself. She just said, men, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's just stick to the women. So basically the wife is saying, okay, honey, I get it. You're deployed, but I'm going to do this. And thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if they knocked their husband over the head with a, you know, a shoe, they probably still wouldn't get the hint, you know, sometimes. <laughs> right. Right, I know. But I'm also a military spouse, mm -hmm. in addition to having served 26 years in the Army myself. But my husband has, has also got 26 years in the Army. And there have been times when he had to go on orders, you know, and I, at that moment, I wore the hat of a military spouse. When they're getting ready to leave, their brain is on leaving. Mm -hmm. Their brain is on their mission coming up. Their brain is not on romance. <laughs> It's just, you know, right. it's just not. Yeah, that's a really good so point. So I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you were having a, a hard time. Yeah. Marketing. And and plus it was that it was that juxtaposition of, you know, this is something that we think will help you in your life, in your relationship. And we want to provide this service for you. And then it's a really fine line between that and let me try to sell to you right before you go and possibly sacrifice your life. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be tacky right. about it, you know, right. because we are sensitive to the fact that these people are going 
overseas or, you know, being Yeah, and they don't somewhere. know if they're going to come back. Right, right. Exactly. So part of it, too, was just not wanting to come across as insensitive money grabbers. You know, that was part of it, too. Right. So tell me about the valor, the um, gifting with valor, gifting with valor. Yeah. So it's it's really simple. We work with clients and sometimes they want to have their branding on most, if not all of the products in the box and on the outside of the box. Sometimes they want a mixture of their logo on on items and then also representative of the brands that are included in the box. In each gift, we include a packing list that provides information about what each product is and who made it and where they can get more of it to support that military spouse or veteran entrepreneur. We hope to, in the future, start providing more resources for our suppliers, actually, and being more supportive rather than only purchasing from them, uh, making it more of a community and more um, more helpful if they need it. So that's coming in the future. For cross-promotion. Oh, cross-promotion. Absolutely. Right. I see that as per cross-promotion. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I make, you know, for my relaxation, I make hats. Mm-hmm. I make hats. Oh, oh crochet. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's a cap. Yeah. Crochet. Knit. Actually, it's a loom knit. It's a loom oh, okay. knit. So if I were to have that in mm-hmm. your box and you could say that that's from, mm-hmm. you know, that's cross promotion because yep. they'll have one and they'll go, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. I like it. I might want another one. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a possibility for me to have a customer mm-hmm. for more hats. That is really cool what yeah. you do. I And again, I'm going to go back to the idea of a box full of joy. <laughs> we all need a box full of joy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and a lot of times we, most of the time we create boxes that are unisex. And so we'll include things that smell nice that um, both sexes would use like a candle or you know, some people like charcoal soap or coffee flavored soap, or we've got actually soap that is shaped like a grenade. Um, we get those from K Bar oh soaps. The we love that place. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that that could also be a trigger. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, not so much for the yeah, you know. Yeah, so we have to be careful. Not so much for the spouse, but if the if the military member goes into the bathroom and finds the soap in the soap dish. That could be yeah. a trigger. So be very careful yeah. with that. Yeah, we just have to make sure with our clients, you know, that's one of those that are kind of borderline, you know. I've seen other yeah. products that we've almost included, like um, bullet casing pins, you know, like push pins. Yeah, I know. I know what those yeah, look like. And yeah, they're cool, but at the same time, yeah. like, over the edge when you're going to corporate gifting. So we have to straddle that line pretty well. And we work with businesses that are small to very large. So uh, what works for one corporation, you know, like Johnson and Johnson will not work for, or vice versa. (laughs) What works for a 25 person company will not work for Johnson and Johnson and vice versa. So yeah, we have to be really flexible and, and 
conscientious for sure. So if people would like to know more about gifting mm-hmm. with valor, do they just get uh, with you for the at LinkedIn or do you have another place for them to? Yeah, they can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, we are on Instagram as well and Facebook for gifting with valor. Also, everything is at giftingwithvalor.com, including the opportunity to set up a free consult with me. So that's usually the first step in us curating the gift boxes is just a kind of a discovery session to see if we can work together. Nice, really nice. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to coming on Prosper and sharing your story. Um, you know, your transition was not quite as dramatic as, mm-hmm. as most. Um, and I'm glad it, it wasn't because I'm telling you from my own experience, it's not a good experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully in time where it'll be a better experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate. One other thing I want to mention is that in your on your profile, it says mental health advocate. Mm-hmm. Quickly, could you mention something about that? Sure. I was diagnosed as uh, with bipolar one disorder two or three years ago. I had a mental breakdown. And when I went to a psychiatrist, I was diagnosed as that. And that was after probably 13 years of being treated as depressed. So I had been having manic episodes throughout my life without knowing that what it was. I think that that's scary. It is scary because mania uncontrolled can can result in really dire consequences for your life. And now I'm on medication to control it. And I have therapy every week. And just from my experience in the military and from talking to veterans and being in the space that I'm in, I know how stigmatized mental health conditions are. And so what I started doing was I kind of created my own anti-Facebook Facebook page. And instead of sharing all of the great things that happen all the time, like most people do on Facebook, I dedicated that Facebook page to my mental health experiences so that I could explain all the things that I go through mentally and try to help people understand more about the illness and also be able to show what symptoms are like so that maybe they can get help as well if they're showing the same signs. In fact, my cousins have identified a few of the same symptoms in themselves and they're possibly going to be getting themselves checked out. So I think the more that we talk about issues like this and the more that we're self-aware, the better we can do with handling them and preventing a lot of violence and a lot of self-harm. It's covering up. It's covering it up. That is the problem. Right. You're absolutely right. I'm glad I asked the question because in our in the days and times in which we live, it is not a stigma to be authentic with any challenges that anyone is going through with mental health. It's uh, thankfully it's a lot more accepted, mm-hmm. you know, in conversation. And not only that, but it's acknowledged 
it's empathized. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different situation than it was, let's say, 15 years ago. Right. People are starting to get more real on the issue of mental health. And so I'm glad that you're one of those mental health advocates. Thank you. So can somebody, if they're going through that, they can reach out to you and you can show them the page and then they can follow your journey and maybe even share their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Well, it was such a pleasure to meet up with you and to talk with you and converse on all kinds of issues, all kinds of topics. Uh, For one that I'm going to look into the box of joy. (laughs) And, And thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I will be wrapping this up in just a few minutes. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Hey, listeners. Did you hear about a box of joy? How would you like to be receiving a box of joy? Well, you know what? Lindsay Hinger and her business called Gifting with Valor does just exactly that. You know, (laughs) I really enjoyed hearing about her story, her journey, and her business, didn't you? And the fact that she's a mental health advocate as well. We need more of those, don't you agree? Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you've learned more about a lot of things that you didn't know before this episode. So keep on keeping on and be the best you you can be on your journey to prosper. Mm -hmm.